Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. Today, it's a visit to Des Moines, Iowa for a lively conversation with two of the state's leading brewers, the Guild Director and historian Maureen Ogle. First, please go visit allaboutbeer.com. There you can find original articles, reviews, news, insights, and podcasts. You can listen to shows like Beer Travelers, Brewer to Brewer, and the All About Beer podcast simply by searching All About Beer wherever you listen to shows. This show and all of the work we do, it's supported by you. Please go visit patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. A few bucks goes a long way to help keep the content fresh and to fund writers, photographers, creators, and editors. And if you'd like to learn more about advertising on this show, please email info at allaboutbeer.com. Speaking of that... You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere, online, in store, on social media, and beyond. Take customers from picking it out to picking it up. Shopify syncs in-store inventory with Google. So when local customers search for that thing that they want that you have, bam, you're there. Demand meets supply. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash drinkbeer. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash drinkbeer to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash drinkbeer. Last week, I was in Iowa to speak and spend time at the state's annual guild conference. It had been several years since I was there, and so I wanted to get a better handle on what's happening in the state. And it turns out it's a lot. What's happening there is important to the industry as a whole, and I think worth a listen. My guests are Dave Morgan. He's a small-town Iowa native that attended and graduated from the University of Northern Iowa with a degree in business administration in 1998. After graduation, he jumped into the hospitality industry, opening and operating multiple food and beverage locations before transitioning into the craft brewery scene in 2012. He leads the team at Single Speed Brewing Company, operating three locations, all within the state of Iowa, and he's been a member of the Iowa Brewers Guild Board since 2020, currently holding down the incredibly important to do job of vice president. Noreen Otto is the Wisconsin native who relocated to Iowa to attend college and law school. After graduation, she worked in a number of political roles. She then spent seven years focused on state and federal policy for Hy-Vee as vice president of government relations. Her work was focused on retail business issues, and she's also served as the chief administrative officer for specialty cheese maker, the Maytag Dairy Farms, before joining the Iowa Brewers Guild as the executive director in the fall of 2021. After graduating from the University of Notre Dame with a finance degree in 2009, RJ Tercy spent time with relatives in Southern Italy, working at their winery and learning what it means to be passionate about your work and craft. In 2012, RJ and his parents, Bob and Amy Tercy, opened Exile Brewing. And over the last 11 years, he has guided Exile through the relatively easy growth of the 2010s. He earned his advanced Cicerone certification and is currently helping Exile navigate the more tumultuous waters of the 2020s. And Maureen Ogle is a historian and the author of Ambitious Brew, The History of American Beer. This was recorded live before an enthusiastic crowd at Single Speed's new Des Moines Tap Room. Here's our conversation. Yeah. Um, Maureen, I want to start with you. Um, I, I was asking 
uh, about various topics, and I think that to appreciate where we are now, uh, it helps to have a little bit of context. And you said, brewers are so numerous these days because a bunch of people spent 30 years making indie brewing possible and popular. What did they all do to help us to get to where we are right now? They got a lot of laws passed, and they convinced uh, conventional money lenders to lend money, and they were sufficiently inspiring that equipment manufacturers started building scaled equipment for small breweries. Uh, they were sufficiently influential that they convinced malting companies that they mattered. But what they mostly did since roughly 1978 was create a completely new beer culture and this is the you know the fruits of it what is that 45 years like 1978 is roughly 45 years yeah, ago yeah it's close I think. to it yeah, yeah about 40 so about four actually more like 45 years and so now there are i don't know how many breweries in the us 10,000 10, or 10 million yeah, or something we're close like to that it. it's not yes. 10 million yeah, but no, it's like I, yeah I we're closing we're closing in on on 10,000 okay yeah. and and that is actually quite remarkable given that it all happened in my lifetime i'm guessing i'm probably the oldest person in the room and so most of you probably grew up with this beer culture um, but uh, I guess my point as an historian is it's, uh, it took a long time to build and it needs to be nurtured, I think, in order to survive. Enough people have to say, you know, I really don't want to conquer the rest of the world with my beer. I'm, I'm happy to have a p wonderful place like this where people who live in the neighborhood can come and drink beer. That's quite a contribution to humankind. But nobody should take all this for granted. Uh, I have no idea, you know, about the Brewers Association and all that stuff these days, but um, all of this is relatively new, relatively speaking, and it went away before and it could go away again, but hopefully it will not, at least for a while. Well, let's ask Noreen about this because yeah. I, I'm curious as to, from your director perch, what is, what's the current state of Iowa beer? A big question, yeah. right? And you know, I started my career in politics, so I always have to say the State of the Union is strong, right? That's like <laughs> the, presi you? the president's required to say that, right? The State of our Union is strong, but yeah, I think um, you know RJ's bio kind of hit it on on the head, and I think Maureen's point is um, is right on point as well. Um, I've used the word maturing a lot to talk about our industry here in the state. So we had really some explosive growth in the early 2010s with some statutory changes that made it possible to have a tap room and now to have multiple tap rooms and to really grow um, a real small business here in the state. But you know, there's always gonna be some market rationalization after a period of explosive growth. So I think we're seeing a little bit of an evening out um, across the industry. I get asked a lot, um, you know, are we at saturation? Are there too many breweries? And my answer is always no. I probably get an email once a month from a city somewhere in Iowa saying, we have a really great space, here's our package, we, we're dying for a brewery to come in, we have this great come locate here, you know, old manufacturing space, we'll help you reinvest in it. So. The interest is there for the importance of beer and tap rooms in communities, um, but now we got to talk to the consumers too and tell them what we have right here in the backyard. 
RJ's got a mic. Uh, I, I want to ask you then, uh, and then I'll ask Dave the same question. For all of those towns who are saying, hey, we want a new brewery, uh, and then there are you know, folks who are like, yeah, I want to open a brewery because it seems like it's a lot of fun and it's really easy. What do you say to those prospective brewery owners right now? Well, if they think it's a lot of fun and really easy, they're definitely wrong about one of those things. <laughs> For sure, they might be wrong about both, depending on uh, on how they go about it. Um, but yeah, no, it is it is challenging. It's definitely more challenging right now than it than it was five, six, seven years ago. Um, and you know, the towns or the the real estate people that want a brewery to fill their space, I totally understand it. I I obviously believe that a local craft brewery is important. You know, through, throughout the pandemic when restaurants were closed and there was a lot of kind of like, well, hey, it's no big deal that these restaurants are closed and some of them are going out of business. When you really think about it, the local restaurants, they make a city. When you go to a city that you like, what do people talk about? The food. They yeah. talk about the restaurant scene. They talk about the restaurant scene. So the the local and they're not talking about oh hey i went to a great buca de peppos and in this town you know they're they're talking about the, the olive garden in yeah Ames sorry is awesome. i didn't even yeah. go yeah but no they're talking they're talking about the local places that add to the culture right so so breweries can be that right like they absolutely can be that um you just you have to get your audience you know you have to get a following or else it's uh it, it, you're you're gonna have a bad time if you don't get, find your audience dave you've been doing this for a while as well and now this is your third location uh-oh i don't know why that happened dave what'd you do hang on I, yeah, I don't. I, I think yeah. it knew what I was about to say. <laughs> how do you it's build me. the community? Oh, that's the question. That's, that's the, the question. question. Yeah. Oh, how do you build a community? Um, man, it, it, it's it's not easy, but it, it's like anything else. It's through relationships, right? So, like, community building is important to us. Um, we've been in Cedar Falls since 2012, in Waterloo, you know, the adjoining community in 2017. We've built a ton of relationships up there, and I think that's why we've had a little bit of success. Um, but we work with partnerships, we work with people, we get to know people, um, we find out what they're passionate about and we try to partner with them on it. And usually those passions align with what we're passionate about. So outdoor recreation, recreation, we work with the run club, we work with the bike club. Those are natural fits for us. Um, it helps us build community in that way. Um, but those are, we're talking about, you know, kind of like niche stuff or like they're right, like not. Yeah. Not big stuff, little things. Um, but do the little things add up to bigger things? Or I mean, can they? I, I, I would say that's what we try to get them to do. Um, we've had some success. We've had some, you know, lesser successful projects. Okay. Um, but yeah, we, we, that's what we work on, right? Things that we're passionate about, and we try to partner with people that are passionate about the same stuff. RJ, have, have you seen that as well? Because what I struggle with, and Noreen, you should jump in on this as, as well, because... For a long time, we've been talking about craft, craft beer growth, and it's 
how much can craft beer you know get of the marketplace and in the last 20 or so years it hasn't really gotten above 13 14 percent uh, usually down in that 12 12 percent range so most people are still drinking when it comes to beer the mass-produced type of stuff. So it's the, 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 the piece of craft beer overall is relatively small, and people then trade you know, where they're going to go on any given random Thursday night, and thanks for being here. Uh, go to RJ's tomorrow night just for to balance it all out. Because um, uh, that's where we'll be uh, tomorrow night to balance this out. Um, but how do you speak to that group, and then how do you try to grow past those national trends. Go ahead. Yeah. I can kind of start from a slightly more 10,000 foot view. So um, two things come to mind. Um, one is we talk about, um, you know, market penetration is yeah. so important, right? That we're not just talking to craft beer drinkers in 2023. That's, that is not a winning formula, right? Um, I have this great story from a brewery, and they're like, one of our biggest nights of the week is we host um, book club night, and all the women bring their husbands in, and so we started stocking all this different stuff because it is our biggest night of the week, right? Wait, it's, did, you said book club? Yeah, a book club okay. at a I'm local sorry, the, tap room. The Wisconsin was coming through for a second, and I might book book club. Okay. That's not even a I, bad one. No, you'll hear a, a bad. No, word. it's not a bad you'll one. But I, I thought you said bug club, <laughs> no. and I was like, oh, it's a book club. Yeah, if I say and, yeah, if I say boat club, then you'll really okay. then you'll really hear me. But yeah, and I think it's just it's finding you got to speak to your core audience. You got to take care of your craft beer drinkers, but also you got to try and meet some people where they are and, and invite them in. And maybe that's a sour, maybe that's an NA, maybe that's bringing in a beer or something that's not a beer and having it available to your customers, right? You know, RJ talked about what restaurants do and the importance of that, like being a destination. And so craft breweries have to be a little bit bigger than just craft beer, I think in 2023. Um, the other thing we talk a lot about and I hammer on and I get to do this work in my role is tourism, right? I mean, we met with um, our US Senator in August and all we talked about is when people come to Iowa and they wanna visit a craft beer, they're not going to just one, right? They're walking all over Des Moines, they're taking a lift from one to the other, they're trying all of it. And so becoming a destination in a collaborative, thoughtful way um, either as a region or as a state is super, super important. Um, getting people here to spend money and try, try beer from the state of Iowa. Do you want to jump in on that? Yeah, and I want to go to Maureen after this, yeah. For sure, yeah. I mean, we've, we've taken a lot of swings over, uh, over the last 11 years, you know, and it's just what, what connects, you know, that's, that's really what we look at. We've done a lot of things. We've had a music festival. Uh, you know, we go all out for Christmas. There's there's lots of stuff that we do. And what does go all out for Christmas mean? It means go all out. It means it means. Like, are you bringing in Mariah Carey? Like, what's no, the? Because no, that's like Mariah that's Carey. all out. We were, uh, <laughs> well, within within the exile budget, within the exile budget. But um, yeah, so, so so Dominic the Italian donkey. Yeah, pretty, that's, yeah that's exactly, about where exactly yeah. it's uh, it's you know. I get it. The Elsa it. actress from uh, DisneyPrincesses.com, sure. basically. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> dot, dot net. Like, let's be honest yeah, here. Like, yes, yeah. that's it. That's it. Um, but no, you, you take a lot of swings and you figure out what connects. And if you connect, even if it's just a little bit, it's like, why did this work? What happened? What can we do to change this up? And, you know, I think, I think Marina's right. If we want to keep bringing more people into craft beer, it can't just be all about beer, but like you got to make sure that that's making its way into the experience. You know, you got to make sure that, that they're trying it, that they're enjoying it and, uh, and that they're seeing it, you know, so that they can just kind of get used to making that purchase because ultimately you want them going to the grocery store after that and, and picking it up and changing their habits. So more in a moment, but first this message. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a <clears throat> real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify's sleek, reliable POS hardware takes every major payment method and looks fabulous at the same time. With Shopify POS, you can accept credit cards, mobile payments, and every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash drink beer. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash drink beer to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash drink beer. And now back to the panel conversation from Single Speed Brewery in Des Moines, Iowa. Maureen, from a historical perspective, though, are these new challenges or is this something that other brewers faced that you came across in the research of your book? Well, it's new in the sense that nobody goes out anymore, That's, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, keeping a- Fewer a people, yeah. Okay, many fewer people. Keeping a joint, <laughs> keeping a joint like this going d depends on an audience that's willing to go out, and, you know, socialize, you know, play some games, whatever, hang out, maybe drink a beer. There's no ping pong table, and I don't understand that. But anyway, uh, Dave, <laughs> Dave, yeah, Maureen's not coming back until the ping pong table goes in. Yeah. Okay. All right. I I think. Um, RJ's going to have one by tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll have the great flyover zone turn ping pong beer beer tap room ping pong tournament. It'll be coming in. I want to pause really quick. Do all of you uh, subscribe to this whole flyover zone thing that Maureen keeps bringing up? Because every time I come here and my plane lands here. Maureen acts like it's a big deal that I came all the way from one of the coasts. That's because people on the coast, especially the East Coast, are yeah. extraordinarily provincial. They don't know their True. heads from a hole in the ground. So they don't really know. They don't really know what to do with this vast expanse of space out here. I'm just telling you. I love, it, the, I love provincial. the warm embrace of Iowa every time that I come here. All right, no, please continue with your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I, I, think, I think it is very difficult to do what you guys, or all of you guys are doing because most, I mean, this is the first time I've been out of the house past five o'clock in probably 10 Same. years. So I, you know, I'm, I yeah. just don't, but I'm, but I'm old. But, it, but it's tough, you know? It, there, there's a lot of uh, 
there's COVID and there's inflation and then there's all kinds of crappy political stuff that can sort of screw up the, uh, the dynamic. Because right now I think cra the, the industry formerly known as craft is riding, is still riding a strong wave. It survived COVID in numbers I didn't expect, frankly. And you know, you, you gotta keep it going because I think your biggest, well, your two biggest enemies are people don't really want to go out and every other beverage in the world. You know? Plus marijuana. Plus marijuana. Let's not forget marijuana. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, if you could, when, when it's, well, it'll never be legal here, so never mind that. Yeah. Um, Maureen called it the industry formerly known as craft, and I saw you three get very upset for just a second or just a little, a, a little bit shocked. I thought everybody called it that. Are we a symbol now? Um, it's just beer in my mind these days. But, I, I mean, Dave, I'm, I'm curious, like, how do you see what your business is is it still through the lens of craft? I mean, we're small, right? And so if you define craft as small, then we're craft, right? But we're, we're small. Most of the breweries in Iowa are crazy small. Noreen's got all kinds of statistics on that. I don't, she talks about them in meetings. I don't listen to them really <laughs> and write them down. Uh, oh, but, man. but we're small, Another right? Another round, like, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> Dave has to say, yes. Yeah. Single speed's crazy small. And I know most of the breweries in Iowa are smaller than us, right? So if that's craft, then yeah, I mean, we're still making craft beer. But my guess is Maureen's talking about the industry becoming so large in general that craft is just kind of a random term that she's throwing around. No, I don't, what, what does craft mean? What does that mean? Uh, I mean, cra mean, craft means like that you've, you've made it, like you've crafted something, right? And a lot of times you'll hear handcrafted we're still doing that, right? We make it are here. You putting, are you putting your hands in the fermenter? Are I'm you curious. stirring it yourself? Uh, uh, oh, on our three-barrel system, yeah, we've got okay. a paddle. Okay, okay. On our five-barrel okay. system, Brandon okay. can come up and talk about our five-barrel system okay. here and what it does. I've never I, brewed on it. I just but, think craft yeah. is. I, I think craft is um, a term that made sense about twenty years ago, twenty-five years ago. And I'm, I'm with John, I think beer is more, was probably the better term. Indie beer might be better, mm. I don't know. I mean, I know that BA tried that for a while. I don't think it really went very far, I don't know. But my, my point is that I, I don't think the word craft means anything at all. And it does, it I don't know what it's supposed to signify because who's the woman that, who has the had an MA from UCLA and she sold her beer to AB for shitloads of money. Golden Rose. Meg, Meg Gill from Golden Rose. Golden Rose, right? I mean, is she, was that a craft? You know what I mean? It's just a weird term to lump yeah. a bunch of business people in. I, I, I just think, so I've been saying mm. the industry formerly known as craft for about 10 years, so. Damn, my, I'm not very influential if you no, have no, no, not that's heard. Right. No, no, Noreen wants to jump in here. And then RJ, R, R, I think, has left the building. Um, he's, floating, he's now floating above watching this panel. Hold, hold on. Before Noreen jumps in, like, yeah. I, I don't care what we call it. I mean, I don't think right. any of us probably care what we call it. I, I just think the consumer might connect with craft, right? So, like, we've always operated under that assumption. I mean... 
I it, could get. Wait, do, I could do give you feel a, the same way, RJ? I, I could give I a shit less what we call and it. And then we'll go to Noreen on this. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest thing is, and it, and it kind of goes back to my comment about restaurants making the culture, is like we are a part of the community. You know, if you want to call it a community brewer, but that, sound, that, that sounds weird. Yeah, I don't like that, you know. But, yeah, yeah, that sounds weird. But it, that is what we're doing. I mean, that is what makes your brewery in your city special is but that. Local. Yeah. A local brewery might, I, which sure. is, oh, sorry, which is weird. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. It, yeah, it's, it, for me, it just goes back to we're in the community. We're, we're doing things. We're driving events. We're working with charities. We're trying to figure out what can be fun on a Thursday night in Des Moines. Like, what can we do to drum up some action here? Like, we're making beer, so... Beer is good at, at helping that stuff happen, but it can't be the only thing. Let's get something else going along in, with in it. In 2012, though, that was enough. 2012 in was 2012 just it was saying, enough. yeah. Because it was kind of a, no, it was a novelty. Right. It was a novelty in Des Moines in 2012. It was a novelty everywhere in yeah. 2012. Yeah. yeah. It was a novelty. And no, it's not anymore. You're absolutely right about that. It is not a novelty. All right. Noreen's champing at the bit here. Yeah. So um, I spent almost a decade in the, the retail food industry. And when you talk about, I mean, I think Dave had, like, the consumer knows what the word craft means, right? It. I don't know what the word craft, I don't know what the word craft means. All right, but go ahead, yes. So. There's a reasonable expectation about the product in the vessel, yes. The word craft within our industry is tied to a story and community, right? And an identity. In the larger retail food industry. They've done studies about what it means to be like local, right? Um, how food brands, I mean, artisanal cheese or anything, how they connect and tell that story like, oh, we're, we're locally made, we're made by a family. So they s surveyed all these Americans about um, Parmesan cheese, right? And Parmesan cheese, real Parmesan's only made in Italy, right? right. They tell the story, here's the picture of the hillside in southern Italy, oh my God, isn't it beautiful? Look, the cows. Is this a local food? Absolutely yes, right? And then, and then they showed sh shaky cheese, and is that, yeah? No, it's, it's Parmesan is made in Italy and people in America are saying this is a local product. Oh. Craft, the term craft is, I know what the brand promise of this is, I know that it's consistent, it has a story behind it, We've seen the successful breweries in Iowa are the ones, to both Dave and RJ's point, who know who they are, they know who their community partners are, right? And they're telling a story, right? And so we have big craft, quote unquote, right? National brand craft. Yeah. And I think even in the last six months, you've seen some of that kind of falling apart because to Maureen's point, when you talk about craft that's distributed maybe nationwide and you're not connected with that brand promise anymore, maybe it doesn't mean as much or it doesn't work. It's not as successful of a story to the consumer. But at the same time, the number one craft beer consumed in the state of Iowa is not brewed here, right? What it's is a it? giant national, I believe it is Sam Adams. Blue Moon? I, it might be Blue Moon. Okay. Let's just all be silent for a moment. And then, 
So, I mean, the story, craft is a story. It's a story about local. It's explaining that when you drink Iowa beer, you are literally drinking some of the best beer in the world. I mean, gold medal, world-winning beer. But you have to tell that story because consumers in the marketplace still do put value in that local promise. So how do you differentiate local craft from big craft? I don't know, right? right. That's our job. All right. This is not where I was expecting this conversation to You're go. You're welcome. I, I've given up on my notes. They're, they've been on the table forever here. <laughs> they have but, a but, all right, but here's my question now. for this is my question for Dave and RJ then though. All right. So national craft versus versus local craft. When you dial then into the local level, and I've had RJ, I've had your beers and I really enjoy them. And Dave, I've had your beers and I really enjoy them and I'm drinking them right now. When we talk about local craft that is middling or poor or infected or not made well, how do you then differentiate yourself? Noreen brought this up. How do you differentiate yourself from the other local craft options where there's maybe diacetyl or maybe there's just sort of like a poor work ethic that goes into the beer these days? I mean, I mean, it has to start by not making that, right? Sure. So in, in preparing your team to not make it. But it's being made in Iowa. I've had it in the last 24 hours. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so we lean, I mean, we lean on Iowa craft in general. We're trying to grow Iowa craft in general, right? Every state's probably trying to grow 100%. craft beer born within, you know, their borders in general. We're working on that. Um, what I would love to see happen is for you not to encounter that, right? And for sure. us to invest Me in education too. and to invest in developing. Because I'm putting my credit card down on the yeah. table. I don't want to pay for it. That's why yeah. you're here. But I do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it sucks to have that happen. And that's going to, I mean, to be quite honest, the BA used to focus on this, and they don't focus on it as much as I wish that they would now. Um, in 2016, 2017, 2018, if you went to the keynote at the BA, they would talk about quality, right? And if you don't have quality, you're going to, you're gonna sure. you're gonna screw this up for everybody. Bruno and I were talking about this before and uh, earlier today. And Paul Gatza, who's the president of the BA, uh, at one point, what's that? Yeah, he said, "Don't fuck it up." And he said, "And and he said quality is important." And and there was a bunch of brewers in the room who audibly laughed. And he said, "If you're not paying attention to quality, you don't deserve to be in this room." And people thought he was joking. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't communicate with the BA all that often, but I know that yeah. one email I sent to them was the year after they stopped focusing on that in their keynote. And I said, why are we not focusing on this now? Because I can tell you I've had the same experiences that you have had. Not right. recently, yeah. but that you've had in Iowa. And I'm like, I feel like this can screw us, screwed up for all of us if we're all not focused on quality, right? So, how, and then back to your question, how yeah. do we differentiate ourselves from that? We've been around since 2012. Um, we expanded and actually got into production in 2017. We differentiate ourselves by not by not doing that, like by not making that. Um, and even from a branding perspective, we tried to get a little bit further ahead of it. We try to look more polished than than maybe we we are from a, a big company point of view. Like we believe in quality of product, but we try to make our branding look. We want people to think that we're big, right? Yeah. And again, we're crazy freaking small. We always have been. Looks like we're always gonna be, right? But we're small. And, and, but we try to look bigger, right? And, and we try to make the product appear as if it's coming from something like that, like that has quality control standards because we have quality control standards. Yeah. And we try to build a brand in a way that makes people understand they can trust us when they go, whether it's 
on, on the grocery shelf or in our tap room, right? And or at one of our restaurant partners. Yeah, and RJ, you've done the same. Done the same what? What, what, what Dave is just talking about, of yeah. making sure that you're putting out. You have to focus on quality. I mean, that's the, when, you know, we have our, our core values at Exile, the first one is quality first. That's always been our first core value. It's, it's always been something that we've said like, hey, this is, this is where we live and die, is on our quality. If, you, if you're not making it, I don't see how you can compete in the brewing industry, in the atmosphere, in the state of Iowa, if you are not making great quality beer. There's just too much good beer yeah. in Iowa at this point, so. No, here, yeah. Just a very quick historical example. Tomorrow morning at the ungodly hour of 9 o'clock, I'm going to do another podcast, but that one's about the collapse of Schlitz. Hurtful. In the, yes. It, when you're fine. 70, it's hurtful. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> um, Not what I meant. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. It's fine. I, th I thought you were like... No, it's fine. It's okay. fine. Just go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Schlitz Beer yeah. was the number yeah. two brewery in the U.S. for uh, f from roughly... 1933 until tragically <laughs> about 1975 I believe so that's why I have to get up at six so I can review my <laughs> notes so I can get the year right Schlitz, Another round for more Schlitz, Schlitz, yeah. Schlitz decided to go on a cost-cutting mission because they were trying to destroy Anheuser-Busch good luck with that so what they did was start with the beer because they didn't have anybody in leadership who actually understood beer and you know didn't really know what to do. Now this is the number two brewery in the US, right? Which means for all intents and purposes, it's the number two brewery in the world. And within five years after making three critical mistakes with the beer, the company was dead. So when he says quality, when she said, they're not kidding, if you screw up the quality, you are dead and no one is gonna come back and exhume your body. No. <laughs> All right, Noreen wanted to jump in here. Oh, I don't no, because you're not wrong. Yeah. No. Okay. We can move on. Are you sure? Well, yeah. I, I'll, I'll just say, yeah. so my, uh, my dad worked at a beer distributor in the, uh, in the early 80s, and that exact incident that you're talking about was often brought up at the beer distributor, how like Schlitz is completely dead right now, and so... Yeah, and I mean, when we when we opened Exile, he told me that story many times, and it was like, you can't ever put out anything bad, or else you'll be done like that. Yeah. Noreen, where do you see innovation in the space right now? I know that there's some THC, there's some CBD, there's <laughs> Maureen's very <laughs> Maureen just about fist pump. Let the record this show Maureen audio, did a fist pump. This is an audio medium, but yeah. she definitely yeah. fist pumped. 100%, yeah. <laughs> Where are we going in the, um, yeah, the where the innovation yeah. is? Um, you know, I'm I've never worked in a brewery. Okay. I don't work for a brewery, right? I yeah. get to spend a lot of time in breweries, and I get to kind of see where the industry, um, where trends are popping up, and kind of see who's who's pushing the envelope and, and where things are going. <clears throat> we're seeing um, a good amount of growth with where well, we're sitting in an additional location for one of our breweries. So I think having a footprint in multiple cities is something where we're seeing some flexibility in the state of Iowa. That's legislation we got passed here. 
Um, I think we have a lot of flexibility here in the state um, with our different licensing and distribution. So how you can sell and who you can sell to, I think is gonna be really important to the bottom line. I think breweries are thinking hard about their partnerships, who their distributors are, what they sell out of their tap room. Um, and then I think you, it's been interesting to see the rise and fall of the hard seltzer. Um, you know, we're seeing definitely some market rationalization there. Yeah. Um, you know, look at the the shelves in a retail outlet a year ago versus today, right? It's wild. Um, and I think breweries are really like watching that and dipping a toe in. RJ's Exile does a great job of trying lots of different things. Um, I know like they sold an NA at the Iowa State Fair, which was a big deal. And the, the fun thing I've seen a lot, and you know, I'm a, a middle-aged mom, right? And we're not pounding 14% IPAs on a Thursday night at our book club, right? <laughs> But we really would love a 5% fruited sour or a session or something that I can have more than one of and still drive home safely, right? Yep. And I think you're really, I've been blown away um, looking at what breweries are doing across the state of Iowa, bringing some of those ABV down, but also still having those big, fun, exciting flavors where you're still having this great beer. But it's, you know, it's a Thursday night, right? We're not... I'm not having three bourbon barrel aged. I call those my bedtime beers. Sure. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to open this, but I got to be like in my pajamas by the time we have this, right? It's like 15%. It's amazing. It tastes like chocolate and bourbon. Like there is nothing better, right? But like we got to meet people where they are too. And, you know, our the generation right after me is thinking about their consumption they're thinking about their health they want some different options and i've loved 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 seeing iowa brewers respond really hard and really fast with lots of options in those lower IB abvs all right so same question to rj and then i'll go to dave but uh, innovation like where do you see your path forward at this point sure so yeah, uh, last year we we released an NA beer that's done well for us. You know, Love it's not it. like it's gangbusters, out of control, but we think it's really good, especially with, you know, I never thought that I would say, hey, that NA beer is really good, <laughs> but uh, I, I think it is, and it stacks up well compared to others, and it's it's been a good brand for us for sure. It is tough to get. Uh, tough to get excited about like your na beer doing well but at the same time it's like okay Wait, but hey. why but it, it does that just play into previous stereotypes i think so All i right. think so because I, what i was gonna say was at the same time like i don't drink as much as i used to and i know a lot of people don't drink as much as they used I to i love and a great na option these yeah days. It, it, especially if it's good yes right? yeah it has to be good so going going back to quality like it has to be good you can't just put na on it and it tastes uh i don't even know how to describe it but there's sad. some that are it really like sad. sad yeah there, there's some yeah. that are sad so disappointment it, yeah it has to be good right disappoint yeah it tastes um, like punishment in a glass yeah, i think is, yeah uh, actually, uh, yeah, actually a quote actually i gave to npr at some point punishment like, in a yeah, glass yeah. In glass yeah <laughs> those are both good yeah, yeah. for sure <laughs> Um, and then the other area that that we're really excited about right now, we're we're doing a partnership with uh, the University of Iowa, or I shouldn't say that, the Swarm Collective, uh -huh. um, that uh, that supports uh, Iowa athletes. And this is the NIL thing. You know, this was something that started outside of beer, but uh, 
beer has jumped into it. You know, we, we partner with these guys. Um, we donate 20% of our revenue from this beer. I heard a radio ad about this. Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, it's been cool, and we're just still navigating these waters. It, re it really is a frontier not only from the, uh, the, the collegiate level and, you know, the charity level and, and the athletes and the beer. So we're just kind of probing these lines right now and figuring out, like, what's allowed, what are people frowning on, and, and just trying to get a feel for, okay, well, like, where's our platform going to be where we can really get after this? Yeah, there's five, five this fall, five yeah. partnerships between Iowa breweries and Iowa universities and colleges, you're, which is you're really cool. You're involved in that too, right, Dave? Yeah, you guys just announced one. Yeah. yeah, so one, Swarm's a big deal. So RJ, I mean, what him and his team did there uh, with the Swarm Collective, I, I can say University of Iowa, right? I can say University of Iowa. I mean, University of Iowa is a big deal in Iowa, right? We don't have professional sports teams here, right? We've got college sports. We've got the U of I. We've got Iowa State. We've got the University of Northern Iowa, where I'm from. But we've got, I mean, it's a big deal. And, and, and you guys were on the front side of that. And what you've done with that is, is really fun to watch, watch it emerge. And also, you know, as a, as a guy in the brewing industry, like, think about how can we learn from that and how can we move forward, too. But... Swarm's been a big deal. Um, I mean, a lot of national coverage on it. Yeah, we've got a small one coming out. We're working with the University of Northern Iowa, which is a smaller university, but it's where we're at. Yeah. yeah. You can cheer again if you want. Yeah, cheer. you can do it. Woo! Right. That's like a big applause line here. Yeah, yeah. Just name a university and you'll get an applause Folks are line. excited. <laughs> Feel the energy in the room. But, yeah. but we've got a beer called, Pro called Prowl coming out in support of the collective up there. We're excited about it. Um, it's a really nice beer. I've been drinking it, and I enjoy it, so that's fun. Um, but when you think about innovation and like, what are we up to? I think that's where you kind of like, yeah. um, we're, we're, we're mostly making beer, man. Yeah. I mean, we're mostly making beer. We're working on innovative products, working with new hop products, trying to make cool IPAs, whether they're clear, whether they're hazy, whether they're 4% ABV, whether they're 9% ABV. Like we, we still are kind of entrenched. Uh, yeah. We're in Des Moines, um, trying to expand our footprint, but we're thinking about, you know, how do we, how do we how do we make beer? Yeah, and that's primarily what we do. And, and we feel like if we stay the course, you know, we're again, we're small. We're not trying to sell, you know, 100,000 barrels of beer, right? We're not right. trying to sell 50,000 barrels of beer. We're not trying to sell 20,000 barrels of beer. Full transparency. We're trying to sell eight. So if anybody wants to go out and buy it, we'd love to get to eight. Sure. We're trying to sell 8,000 <laughs> barrels of beer this next year. Um, but we're mo about about that, you know, you know, selling our golden lager, otherwise known as a Hellas. Yeah. And making it as good as we can make it. And we got a couple new beers coming out next year that are actually stylistically really old beers. Um, I see an alt beer out there in the crowd. We might be having that statewide next year. Um, and that's I'd like to see more. We're alt. about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you come to Iowa, man, we got you that's right there. They've got an alt beer. Um, but we're about we're about making beer. Yeah. yeah. Noreen, did you want to jump in? You, you seemed like you, you had something you really wanted to say. No, I'm just excited. I wasn't going to go for, like, the cheap shot applause line naming universities, right, and then get everybody to cheer, right? You want to do it? Go for it. <laughs> no, I was to Dave's point, you know, most of our breweries are really small, um, and I think some of the innovation is um, 
you know, I think breweries are kind of circling up and saying, okay, what is our goal? Who do we want to be? How big do we want to be? Are we the center of our community? Are we distributing in 30 states? And we have breweries on both ends of the spectrum. Um, right now in Iowa, we do not have a brewery who is in the top 50 in the country. All, um, we don't have a brewery in top 50 production. Okay. Um, so, you know, we have plenty of room for growth. Sure. Um, we have breweries who are rapidly growing. We have a friend here from Big Grove Brewery, which is one of the fastest growing breweries in the state, woo, right? Woo. And and I think I would say a fun thing too, like innovation. I mean, also just really dialing in on the stuff that they're good at. So it's almost sure. some of the innovation is coming back from like remembering who we are. That local craft story is that brand promise, right? That's how you get people to come back to you and, you know, both RJ and I'll brag for them. That's my job. They pay me to brag about them. So both RJ and Dave, their breweries have won, you know, world medals, right? Um, Big Grove won world medals. We had a brewery in Des Moines win two gold medals at the World Beer Cup, like the biggest competition in the world, right? And so it's, these guys are dialing in on this stuff that's really good. They're figuring out what their big sellers are, what people really want, and then, you know, staying really focused on that. So... It's Top almost like was the, uh, you have a microphone. Toppling Goliath was the brewery of the year at the U.S. Yes, beer thank Championship you. Yep, TG. for the second time in the last five years. Decorah, so. Iowa. And that Decorah, that whole region has rebranded itself in the last decade from a tourism perspective. I'm from that area. It's just it's fascinating. <laughs> so. I, I, I want to go back to Maureen, though, really quickly uh, as we begin to start to wrap this up, as we start to as we start to land. Uh, in the Midwest, the, 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 this plain kind of thing. But that's a really interesting thing. Historically, the brewers that survived, the brewers that thrived, the brewers that uh, made a name for themselves were doing a beer, probably one, sometimes maybe two, that they knew represented their brand, right? That, that it was, if you taste this, this is Brewery X. And they own that space. Um, is that a lesson that the 10,000 small brewers can learn today? You have a microphone. Yes. If you want to go out of business in brewing, <laughs> get a big ego and think you can, like, I don't know, conquer the world. There's, what's, what in the world is wrong with just having a brewery, right? A small brewery. It's, it, it's a perfectly legitimate business venture i'm i'm it's correct. better than being a writer <laughs> yes it is yes it is and i and mean honestly not by much but like still you I pay the say, mortgage i don't yeah. know if you're yeah. right about that yeah yeah and a good example of that is uh, august shell brewing in new Ulm, which i know about because i'm working on a book about them they've been in, they are the second oldest brewery in the u.s they've been open since 1860 and the only reason they're still around man is because they never overestimated themselves or let their egos you know get control they just stayed the course they knew what they did this was a family business they lived in the country 
it was what it was. It was never going to be anything else. And it, I don't know. Sometimes I think to be a really good brewer, you got to check your ego at the door at some point, you know, and be a little reasonable because that oh, is there's, there's clapping the, for the, ego in the back. <laughs> there's yeah. a great re there. That is the number one reason why breweries fail. It's not because someone, you know, some big brewer squashes them unless it's a major beer war between Anheuser-Busch and Miller in the 1980s. Mostly it's because people make really stupid business decisions because they let their <laughs> egos get in the way. Uh, historically, that's been true, especially since D 1990. Dave and RJ, I'll point out that Maureen's available for business consulting <laughs> if, uh, if you... I wish I had talked to her five years ago. <laughs> I'm going to hire her for our strategic planning, I think. <laughs> All right, we don't have a mic out in the crowd. I'm told there's a question. But you no 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 because no, nope. it'll 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 do the thing. Yell your question. Yeah. <laughs> oh look at the pandering. The pandering is 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 there a Rauch beer coming out anytime soon? Do you guys not like making money? We <laughs> we missed it this year. Hopefully next year we'll see. We missed it this year though. Uh, Rauch beer is not an annual thing. I'll have you know. Um, <laughs> Dave, in America, Dave, it is. Dave's not even going to answer this question. You guys set me up. I thought this was going to be a real question. You're just pandering to, to the Rauk beer set. All right. Um, I try to end most of the podcast by asking the Green Door question. And so in the television show The Good Place, on the final season, the fourth season, there's a concept that's introduced uh, where somebody can walk through a green door and be anywhere doing whatever they wanted to do. And so, if we had a green door on our plane of existence, and this panel conversation ends, and you could walk through it and be at any pub or any brewery anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? Uh-uh. Who would you want to be with? And what would you like to be drinking? And Noreen, let's start with you. Oh, my God. My Okay. None of you listen I'm to the show, and that's hurtful. That's fine. I've been asking this no, question. No, I've been asking this question for I, three years. Yeah. Yeah. I. I'm sorry, John. Then I was not prepared. No, that's for fine. Your, that's fine. No, people usually tune out about the halfway mark. That's fine. Walk through a door and be in a brewery. Um, a brewery or a pub anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. Where would you want to go? Who would you want to be okay. with? And what would you like All to right, be drinking? All right, we're we're walking through the door, and it is a. It's a tourist trap, but we're going to go to the Temple Bar in downtown Dublin. Sure. Right? It's Been beautiful. There. The only bad thing is um, you can drink Guinness or the only other beer they have on tap is Coors Light in Ireland. Everywhere, it's so depressing. Why not both? <laughs> so we're going to walk through that door, and I'm, uh, I'm going to take um, my 10 best friends from law school. We used to fly somewhere in the world. You have 10 best friends? Can you believe it? 10 women lawyers. I have like lawyers. two friends, and Maureen like is half of that. 10 women lawyers, and we pick a destination, and then we all fly there, and we meet up, and we have not done it in like three years now, so we're overdue. You so to I'm going to buy the podcast, first round. You're going to double our download numbers if you send it to all I 10, will. which is going to be great. It's going to be, just wait till you, they, they will, they've helped win contests for people when we put them into action. I mean, we're all, we're all female lawyers. We, we can run the world, so yeah, we're going, to, we're going to Temple Bar in Dublin to drink some beers and sing really loud out of key. All right, RJ, where are you going? What are you drinking? Who are you drinking it with? 
Uh, I'm going to Prague, and I'm going to Ufleku. Sure. And I'm drinking their dark beer because that's just like it's the greatest beer ever, and it, it's a tourist trap as well. But it's still super authentic, and the beer is amazing. And and who I'm drinking it with, um, man. When I first started thinking about this, I was thinking about the beer industry, and I, I think that in the beer industry, the guy that I would want to meet the most is Sam Calagione. So I would sure. love to meet that guy and have a beer with we'll him. We'll introduce Prague. you. That's fine. Yeah, I would love Maureen's to meet him. an old friend. Yeah. yeah, awesome. I would love to meet him. Yeah, he's a lovely human. Yeah, I'd love to meet him for sure. Yeah. So please line that up. If All you right, actually can. you and yeah. Sam yeah. in Put Prague in with the yeah. candlestick. I yeah. totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Maureen, where are you going? Um, Who are you drinking I, with? What are you drinking? I don't think I'm enough of a beer nerd. It doesn't or even have to, to be beer. Okay. I said um, any pu- any brewery or any pub. You, you can, know, okay. Nobody I, has ever said, "Oh, I'm going to drink old fashions with." No. You know, yeah. No. All right. Somewhere uh, with uh, Boken Bailey, somewhere in England. Uh, Jessica per- and Ray. Yeah, Jessica and Ray. Um, Great bloggers. If you don't w- follow, w- there somewhere yeah. in Bristol or perhaps Birmingham, and I don't know the place, but I I think that would be a genuinely exquisite experience. Okay. Dave? Here's the thing, man. I don't think yeah. I'm, I'm not all that picky. So if, I, if, I've, got, if I've got good people and good beer yeah. around, like I, I'm You're good. You're like two-hearted at the bait shop. I mean, am, I, am I dying after? I mean, am I dying after this? Is this my last beer? No. Or, no just any beer. No. You know, so when I... I mean, I mean, if you wanted to add an edge to it, it's like, you know... Is that a so different podcast? you've been convicted of murder, but... <laughs> The state has decided that they're gonna fly you anywhere in the world yeah, for a you know, final drink. That's not how this works. Where yeah. I've where I've enjoyed my beers the most and maybe appreciated my beers the most is when we go out to the Pacific Northwest for hop selection. Yeah. So you just throw me in bail breaker with anybody that wants to come with me and we'll order uh, an IPA of some sort and it's gonna be great. I love it. Yeah. RJ, Dave, Noreen, Maureen. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for Single Speed for hosting. Thanks for all of you for coming out tonight. Thank you for, uh, this was a lot of fun. Once again, thanks to Dave Morgan and Single Speed for the hospitality, as well as the entire panel for participating and everybody who came out. Do you need to reach me? You can get in touch with questions, comments, guest suggestions, and more. It's John Hall, that's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at allaboutbeer.com. Reminder, go visit allaboutbeer.com. You can check out the podcast page, the merch page, and can read great new content, as well as the archives going back to 1979. Don't forget, All About Beer is on social media at All About Beer. And if you're interested in supporting journalism in the beer space, and I hope you are, email us at info at allaboutbeer.com or simply go to patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. Speaking of that, here is a quick word from this episode's sponsor. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. (laughs) Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash drink beer. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash drink beer to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash drink beer. Don't forget all about beer as a podcast channel. Search and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Still, this beer has new episodes every Monday and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. As for the show, Nate Weber does the music. Jeff Quinn designed our logo and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday. And that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer. <laughs>